Yo, what's good? It's your boy Roy, and this is another episode of Sync Gems. Today, we have Sofia Del Valle. Sofia Del Valle is a music coordinator at Transit, which is a trailer and ad agency. And they are killing it currently. They are getting placements. They are really successful. So I wanted to reach out to the people behind the scenes and see what they do. And what I got from this interview is way more than what I thought. Sophia just really breaks down what it takes and what it took from her to get to where she's at and where she wants to get, which is music supervision. We also talk about how supervision is an art form and how one placement can really change your career. Yes, you, me, anybody. One time that your song goes into the right place in the right time and your whole career can change. We also talk, as usual, about the importance of networking and showing yourself as opposed to looking for jobs. We talk about music coordinating and how does a day in Sophia's work life look like. In the beginning, we talk about her story, which is super cool. It's just, uh, I love hearing people's stories. And you'll see, I just love how organic this conversation was and how the gems were just dropped and spread all over the podcast. If y'all want to help this podcast grow, please go on your mobile device, rate and review it. Rate it if you're on Spotify, you can go and five star it and review it if you are on Apple podcast and you can give it a five star review and also talk about how the podcast has helped you on your journey. This really helps again. Thank y'all for listening to this podcast and yeah, let's get to it. We are recording. Sophia, what is up? Hello, Roy. Not too much. I'm so happy to, to have you on the podcast. I, I mean, just like the way that I choose my guests is just, it, it, it's, of course, it's achievements, but it's the second I see an achievement, I, I want to look at the person. And when, when I look into your um, bio and into your, 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 just like, the way you move and you write, it gives me, it makes me happy. Um, oh, well, thank you. Much. Yeah. Are you, are you, you're referencing my LinkedIn bio? Uh, um, yeah. And then I, I have to give a shout out to my dad. My dad is the reason why I have that. He said, your about section on your LinkedIn is really lacking. You need to, you need to beef it up a little bit. Whoa. I said, dad, does anyone even read those? Are those even that important? said, no, yeah, you definitely should. You should put something in there and tell your story a little bit. So thanks, dad. <laughs> Shout outs to dads. I hope you are listening to this because we're going to talk about you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, this is going to happen because yeah, okay. I'm, I'm writing it down. We're going to come back to that. But Sophia, tell me about, about you and your story and coming back, uh, coming uh, to LA. You grew up in Massachusetts. So I, I'd love to, to hear how that all ties to your current love and, and, and work with music, with coordinating, with doing uh, what you are doing now. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess first things first, the move to Los Angeles 
was directly inspired by uh, the summer I spent here. I had an internship in 2017 going into my senior year of college. Uh, I was at United Talent Agency and I'd never really been to Los Angeles prior. And then I spent eight weeks here and I just said, okay, I definitely want to move here after college. And pretty much did shortly after graduating. I graduated in May, was moved out here in October. And it was definitely a, there was, there was a transitional period for sure. Probably longer than I would have liked it to be, but it, that's what it was. And figuring out what I wanted to do professionally um, was also kind of a product of, it's funny because I talk about this with people all the time that knowing what you don't like is almost equally, not almost, it is equally as valuable as knowing what you do like. And so my first job, my first professional, you know, entertainment industry job, I was pretty miserable. Um, but the silver lining was that it helped me sort of redirect, helped me hone in, okay, well, what do I want to do? If it's not this, then what is it? And by chance, my sister recommended that I watch this one show called, well, it has a cuss in it. Um, it's End of the Effing World. Um, and and it's a British kind of dark comedy love story uh, with really, really a great soundtrack. And I remember just being kind of struck by it. I don't know why that show in particular, you know, music in media is nothing new. This is a newer show, but something about that show, I don't know. It just, the light bulb went off. And I remember I Googled who did the music for the show it was this man, Matt Biffa. Um, and from there, I just, Anytime anyone asked me, oh, what do you do? I said, oh, well, I work in production right now, but, and then I had my little spiel about what I want to do, which is music supervision. That was 20, that was 2019, end of 2019. And so between 2019 and today, I've been at my job now for about a year. I, I would say that there was about a two and a half year period of just networking, talking to anyone and everyone who worked in the supervision or sync spaces. Um, yeah, and just not being shy about or feeling any bit of shame or embarrassment about trying to get my foot in the door. I think a lot of people, for some reason, feel a little bit insecure about making switches or about being new at something and I understand that um it can be intimidating or nerve-wracking but I would just tell everyone you know hey I want to be a music supervisor will you take a call with me I just want to talk to you um and yeah that was kind of the that was the onset of me sort of discovering okay that I this this is what I want to what I want to aim towards. Mm. So okay, I I actually want you to take it way back. Like I I wanna is is so it sounds like 
and, and this is a big a bit psychological. I'm just throwing a stone here. Um, is is family a big thing for you? Like, is family very important to you? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, do, do you think it's because the way like you grew up, you, you said that you speak Spanish as well, like off, off air, you told me you speak Spanish. And uh, I just want, um, the reason I'm asking this is because we take a, a certain set of, uh, uh, um, like a certain skill set, set with us, right? Having that in, in, uh, in Hebrew or uh, um, it's a very known Jewish, uh, Jewish term like chutzpah. Like putting your foot in the door is like, it's, it's, it's a way of saying like having that grit to follow what you believe in. Um, it has to tie with principles as well. So do you feel like th these were things you were taught? These were things you, um, you, have, you have just uh, um, had as you were brought up? Like where, where did it come from? Oh, I mean, Absolutely. Everything I know, more or less, I think are things I inherited from my parents. I didn't know you wanted me to tell my whole life story. I, I'm happy to do that, but we'll be sitting here for a while. Um, but no, my parents are a huge part of any and every success I've ever had. I mean, I, I grew up doing theater and I participated for a number of years in this um, pretty intensive theater summer program. You had to audition to get into the program. And then on the very first day, they did a second round of auditions for whatever that year's show was. And I remember one year I got so, so close to getting the lead. And then remember they posted the list. And I was, I was young at this point. I was maybe 12. So bear with me here, but um, and then they post the list and it said my name under the list of ensemble. So I went from being a contender for the the main female lead to getting nothing. I remember I got home and I was devastated. I'm talking to my parents and my dad, uh, he's a funny guy and huge, big, big sports guy, loves football, was a huge fan of Tom Brady for a while and said, you know what, Sophia, you, you think Tom Brady, you know, every time he lost, he just gave up. No, no, he was going to be the best no matter what position he was in, even if it meant being the best person in the ensemble. He's going to be the best regardless of where they put him. So he's always he was always <laughs> using sports analogies to kind of... I can hear that in my head as you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well... Yeah, um, my parents were always hammering into me, you know, just kind of the stereotypical parenting, I don't know what you want to call them, proverbs or whatever, but, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, or just ver various bits of advice, um, more than various, many, many bits of advice, um, and on top of that, they also both kind of work in the in the hiring space, not in the same industry. Um, but so as far as um, passing along professional wisdom and tips, 
you know, how to structure a resume, how to write an effective cover letter, how to network, all of that I pretty much learned from them. I mean, on top of the fact, I, I personally enjoy networking or I do now. Um, I didn't always, but I've learned to kind of lean into parts of my personality that make for effective networking and, you know, my personality that inherently from my parents. So <laughs> my parents uh, passed a lot down to me as far as just being tenacious, uh, being bold, taking risks, and not not being defeated by no's, using them as using it as as data data collecting, basically. Oh, I got a no over here. All right, well, it wasn't that probably wasn't going to be a good fit anyways. Like let's, you know, let's there's something to be gained from every no that you that you receive. No matter how badly you want it to be a yes, oftentimes there's a reason why it was ultimately a no. Oftentimes it has nothing to do with you on a personal level or on a level. Yeah, yeah. it's there's so many factors. And it, I think a lot of people are quick to just say, oh, uh, maybe I'm not cut out for this or maybe I'm not good enough to do this. It's funny, you were talking about Rick Rubin's um, uh, producer. Engineer. Producer? Engineer. Yeah. yeah. And I think that a lot of people, the higher up they get or the more su successes they they have under their belt, in fact, that's when the imposter syndrome really starts to kick in. Um, but imposter syndrome is, is real for really everyone at any level. But I think really not letting that negative self-talk or letting those classic feelings of imposter syndrome cloud your ultimate agenda or your ultimate goal it's it's important and it's not easy but it's just i i really do believe that anyone can do most anything mostly anything you know within reason um am i ever going to be a professional basketball player probably not but um am i going to be a music supervisor someday? Am I going to be a music supervisor in the next five years? Um, yeah, I absolutely will be. Um, and I think it's just that that's step one is just kind of owning it and really leaning into it. Yeah. I'm huge stuff here because this podcast, you need to understand, Sophia, is it, this is a parenting podcast for for composers. This is what it is. Like I, I feel like the the biggest thing, the biggest piece of advice that is uh, uh, that comes back all the time is keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you have to, uh, um, you have to persevere. You're gonna get a lot of no's, especially in in music. Like there's a, it's inevitable that you that you're gonna get a bunch of no's, but all these no's are worth that one yes that you get from the right spot from the the transit that get, gets you that one placement because like these these placements and you know it can be can be life-changing literally for compose for a composer they can be your house like this one yes can be a house for somebody um and 
And if if y'all think I'm over exaggerating, just like just ask people like what 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 does it look like to get a really big placement, um, and and these things tie in straight into what we're doing. So yeah, you were talking about uh, are we gonna talk personal? Are we gonna do this before before we're going on the podcast? We do everything because like the personal is what it takes for you to succeed as a basketball player, as a whatever. And you know what? Like, yeah, maybe you're not going to be a basketball player next year, but can you play uh, with your friends and improve your, your, your three, your free throw? Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's just um, the imposter syndrome is such a real thing. And I was actually planning on doing a podcast just about imposter syndrome And the fact that everybody experiences at every stage of their way, they're experiencing it. And if anybody ever thinks that there will be a day where they will have zero imposter syndrome, they're, they're, they're in for a bad, bad treat. Like they're in for a, a very bad discovery down the line. So let me save that for you because, because this right now is where all the bless blessings are and 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 it really um transitions me to to like you you know like to you and and to having like a sports dad which you know like they say the most like and i know it like parents say the most out there like most basic shit that hits the deepest right like it could be like don't give up and you're like oh my god this th my parents said it So now it's it's my it's it's what I'm thinking for the rest of my life and I love how you're you're speaking to using these things as complete tools for for you right now and I can hear like I can I know that you're going to be a supervisor by the way you're speaking like at some point I know I I know you're going to you're going to uh, we were talking before so to anyone buddy listen uh listening we've talked before about moving to Europe I know you're going to make the trip to Europe once you decide to go to Europe um uh, uh we were speaking about it uh before and and Sophia was like yeah maybe I'll 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 maybe one day you'll listen back to this from like Spain or something like that and you'll go oh That motherfucker, <laughs> he called me out on it. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, uh, um, I'd love, I'd love for you to yeah to speak from that to what you're doing right now. So you're a coordinator. What what does coordinator mean? Well, it. I mean, I think it can mean different things depending on company you're at. Uh, but obviously, it's 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 entry level. Um, but the way that my company is structured, the music department, it's just me. And then my boss, who is the head of the music department, she's been doing this for 20 plus years. Um, so she's a true veteran. Um, and transit is an ad agency that does trailers and TV spots for film and television, among other sort of ad spots, but primarily the trailers and TV spots. And so, yeah, I'm just essentially supporting my boss um, in all in all and every way that she needs related to all things to do with music for any given spot um, that that can look like helping her with a music search. So if we have a project come in and there's a brief, oh, we need we need a 
a happy, a happy pop commercial track, or we need something dark, kind of, kind of disco sounding, you know, helping her pull ideas. And uh, that's obviously kind of the more the most fun part of the job, I would say, is actually getting to search for music and pitch. Um, but even that can be frustrating, not so much from what I've experienced, but, uh, you know, you can, if you're a music supervisor or you're my boss, for example, you know, you can pitch hundreds of songs for something um, and it can take that many, that many uh, pitches before, before they decide, oh yeah, this one's great. We're, this is what we're going to go with. But yeah, I mean, on top of that, it's, I'm handling a lot of cue sheets. Um, basically just the, you know, kind of legal licensing document to make sure everyone gets paid out appropriately for the use of any bit of audio or sound effect that we might use in a spot. Um, I'm listening to a ton of music all day. I get so many emails about new music releases. It's honestly overwhelming because I want to listen to all of it. Um, and so I try to listen to as much as I can, but there's only so many, you know, hours in the day. And then I'm listening to and downloading a lot of trailer specific music for our company server because editors are always looking for new fresh cool sounds and so i've over the last year of having worked here i've become somewhat familiar with uh some of the libraries and labels that produce in my opinion or maybe maybe not just in my opinion but just they're kind of our go-to our go-to people um and so anytime they put out an album, I immediately download it. I post it to the server. I send out a blast typically once a week with new albums that are added to the server. I'm collecting my favorites um, for the week that I will send. Um, and then it's, you know, really whatever the needs are that day. It can That's kind of the fun thing about this day, about this day, about this job is that any given day, you kind of don't know what you're signing up for that day. It can be a day where it's pretty mellow. Like today, for example, I was just listening to a ton of music. I was kind of sorting my music, trying to organize things in a way that make it more effective for when I do need to help with a search, having it just not be completely just the the library of songs as I start to build up my library, having there be a bit more structure to it. Um, I'm organizing more music. Um, a big project that starting to chip away at is filling in some blanks uh, as far as trailer music releases from the COVID years that maybe we missed. So trying to retroactively add all of that. Um, and yeah, just handling music assets as they come in. Um, that's pretty much the gist, I'd say, of what my job is. Play didn't miss anything. I mean, and then yeah, when there's downtime, I can I can watch projects, the projects we have on the server, which is really cool. Another really cool part of this job is 
get to kind of see and hear a lot of content before it hits the general public. Um, you know, I get early access to a lot of album releases. I get whatever whatever movie or show comes in that we work on, I can watch on the server, which is really cool because it's, you know, it's not, they're not even in the finished stages yet a lot of the time. So there's, there's a lot of activity here. <laughs> wow. That's, that, these are things that I didn't know, by the way. Like a lot of these things are things I didn't know. And I'm sure people who listen to this, it's just like, um, as an agency, you, you look for, you have like a few, first of all, you have a person uh, if you get a placement from a certain agency, you have a person who's listening to your music most likely and passing it on. So that's a good thing to know. Um, because I mean, the way that initially people see it as, as is like, I send, I send my music to a label, they send it to somebody that somebody places it and that's it. But that somebody is the most crucial part like that middle right. person between the label and the ad is uh, is you, basically. Yeah, I, that, I'd say that's partially true. I mean, I... In, I in some cases, not in all of them, of course, but... A lot of the time, um, the there, there's a lot of back and forth. So, but yeah, for sure, generally speaking the the music supervisors and that's what really drew me to this to this area of work uh is that well a few things one is that as you were saying earlier a big placement can change an artist's life um and especially you know maybe during covid times where people aren't touring and people their concerts aren't happening if if you can if you can sustain a career on sync placements then you're doing well you know there, there's especially in ads there's so much money in ads it's pretty absurd um so yeah i mean getting your song in a in a in a big trailer or in a tv ad spot um especially if it airs you know multiple times you know, that is, that is serious. That is real money. Um, and so, yeah, that was one thing that I liked was that, and you see, you see it happen kind of randomly sometimes or how it happened with stranger things, um, with running up that hill, just a ran, not random. I mean, it's a great song, but it was sort of a resurgence of a song that had maybe been a bit dormant for the last however many years, 40 years. I'm not exactly sure what. Can you can you tell the story? Can you can you just uh tell the story about what story? about the about the song, like what you know about it? Your take on just, it? Just well, yeah, I mean they used it in Stranger Things and obviously Stranger Things is a very popular TV show and it took the internet by storm and it hopped off on TikTok and ev just everyone, I, I want to say it was one of the most streamed songs because of its placement in Stranger Things. And obviously, I think that back in the day when that song came out, now I'm curious when it came out. I want to say sometime in the 80s. Um, I, 
you know, that song had seen some success at the time it came out, but then just a huge surge. You know, I think Kate Bush even said something like, you know, like was she she was completely, I think, caught off guard by how people received and, you know, the positive reaction reactions she got from just that song being used in that one episode. Maybe it was multiple episodes. I can't lie. I don't watch Stranger Things. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it can completely transform the the shape of someone's career or their trajectory. And so that was one thing I really liked about uh or one thing I was drawn to about this specific part, this part of the music industry. And then also that you because I think a lot of the music industry, as with many industries, it's kind of about trends and about what's cool. And obviously there's an element of that in music supervision, but also it's it can also just be about getting the right song, no matter who sings it, no matter what year it's from, no matter just what what is going to fit and be the most effective in this spot, to me was a huge draw towards you know where in music do i want to do i want to be um although not to to be honest i never really considered other areas um because just when the light bulb went off it it was shining bright i didn't i I was kind of a one-track mind um from that point forward but sort of the further along i got the more i realized how how i had tapped into something maybe without even totally realizing it tapped into something that I thought that I now know I think is really perfect for and caters strongly to my interests and my natural love of music you know I I listen to all sorts of music and so not being not being boxed in or limited by you know the the top 50 hottest tracks or not having to just really again it's good to know what's hot it's good to know what the trends are and what is what the, what's new and what's what's gaining traction but it's also cool to know that at any given point you might be able to take some old seemingly forgotten song and put it in something and have that magical moment that can transform you know not just the the quality of the project but also the life of the artist should they still be alive um you know there's just there's just so many there's a there's a lot at play that i think it's it makes it fun and it's it's yeah it's just exciting and you know there's nothing it's it's kind of an indescribable feeling you know when you're watching something and the perfect song comes on and it's just that perfect marriage between what you see and what you hear on the screen and it's you know it's kind of like it's almost drug-like you know it feels very euphoric it feels you know doesn't feel real yeah a hundred percent i mean i i think that's the the genius of great film composers as well they know how to just create a world from from one track i, I feel like the 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 90 of the reason i cry in movie scenes is because the movie is the 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 music hits so perfectly with the scene like uh um i, I remember that it's a bit of a, a 
uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a cringe, but it's like the pursuit of happiness or like Shawshank Redemption when he's when he comes out of uh, uh, of uh, okay redemption. So you know he's coming out, but what when he comes out of 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 jail and this like beautiful soundtrack comes yeah. in, it made me cry like a baby. Like for after the like, it made me cry so bad that I I was I was actually crying after the movie end. I was crying for about ten minutes, I think. Um, <laughs> so and, and I think it's because that is that is the genius between uh, um, between if it's a good like supervisor or it's and you can say, and I will argue that it's the job of the coordinator and the supervisor which made that possible for that artist to see such a spike in in their in their track after 10, 20 years you know it's it, it takes that somebody who uh, um who is confident enough and knows enough what they're doing in order for that scene to fit so good that it resonates with so many people it's kind of like writing a good pop song right like but only for a movie So I think it's important to acknowledge that supervisors are artists. Um, well, you know, it, it's absolutely a craft that, I mean, I'm still learning. I, I think even supervisors continue to learn more about their craft. But yeah, I, I mean, it, absolutely. It's, it's, you, you can have the best taste in music in the world But are you able to are you able to pair and properly match, you know, X song with Y scene? And frankly, it's not always about taste. I mean, it, it, it's good to have good taste, but I think actually the even more challenging thing is when you're handling a genre or a song or what have you. That you actually don't like and mm. you need to find you know yeah you need to find the right song for a scene in a movie or you know a trailer for a movie that you would never watch mm. but you still need you know to you can't just pitch songs that you like you have to pitch the right what what sounds right yeah so no i mean it's it's certainly not easy and i know that So I've I've never worked on in the music department for a film or uh well actually I did work on music in the music department for a TV show before this but I know that you know in films a lot of the time producers directors maybe even the actors they kind of all want a say in the music um and so handling the politics um and being able to To, I think a lot of a lot of people don't fully understand what music supervisors do and so a director will you know maybe say can't we just use that really cool Drake track and it's like with what budget you know where where's this money coming from and so music supervisor is also oftentimes kind of navigating those dynamics and and you know trying to do what they can with what is often a very limited budget and also keeping everyone happy and having everything sound great. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts to the job from what I've observed and what I've talked to people about and their 
their experiences supervising. And yeah, I mean, it's certainly not easy. Mm. You were talking about getting the foot in the door and I want to get back to that. How how does one uh, um, get their foot in the door with somebody with an agency like... like uh, um, like transit or like, I mean, your door, how, how does somebody get you to bump into their music? Um, well, so are you asking from the perspective of an, an artist, a composer, yeah, or yeah. you want to do what I do? Um, I, I'm looking, I'm, I'm actually asking from the composer side. So like if somebody, let's say, uh, um, I want uh, to work on your next project. Of course, it, it'll. It, what does it take from somebody to be in your mind? Let's just uh, put it that way. Um, it's a good question. I mean, and keep in mind, I'm obviously still new to this. Um, I think a lot of it. You're gonna is, laugh at this podcast in five years. I'm gonna. I'm telling you. I'm gonna share well, this podcast sure. with you, and and you're gonna laugh your ass on it. We're gonna watch it together uh, when I'm in LA, sure. and we're gonna laugh. Okay, let's go. Keep going. Oh boy, um, I think a lot of it is relationship based, um, and I mean to be totally frank, I don't know that much about what it means to market yourself as a composer. You know, I I think I can, if I'm going through emails, for example, there's a reason why I click on this email and scroll through that and maybe click the link to the music that it, that it has over another one. And it's maybe not thinking super consciously about it, but I think that effective marketing, whether it's for a company or an individual, yeah, that makes a huge difference. But... I also think a lot of it is relationship based. I think that, you know, if you meet someone or have a call with someone, you know, you meet for a coffee or you take a call or a Zoom, you're more inclined to think of that person um, when you're in need of X type of uh, track. Um, and obviously, the, the composition needs to be good. Uh, I think that goes without saying. I don't know the first thing about composing, but let's assume that it's we're we're only handling or dealing with good good compositions, good pieces of music. And at that point, I think it's yeah, developing relationships. And again, I'm I don't know what it means to be a composer, but I imagine that having a real um, is a very effective way of marketing yourself or a website that shows your other placements to that show that you're a credible uh, composer. Um, having a, a website that's, that's clean and that looks nice and has all your placements, you know, visually laid out. I think um, that those are all really important things to keep in mind um few, as few words as possible i want to say just and and making it almost foolproof not even just for for someone in my position or someone in my boss's position but i think to do this for other people too you know just have everything 
spelled out. Don't let there be any room for questions or confusion. Um, put your website, your email, um, and you know maybe something brief about yourself. Maybe a, a, a embedded link to your website. You know, just little things. Um, but I again. I, I think that relationships are also super important. And I think um, if if I have a call with someone or I have a meeting with someone and, you know, we have a, there, there's a good connection there or a good synergy or whatever, I'm sure, you know, assuming they'd been emailing me before. If I go back in my email, maybe there had been, five emails from them that I had never gotten to. But now that I've met with that person, anytime I see an email from them, I'm going to remember. And you just, it's, it elicits kind of more responses, more action, more, you know, from my end at least. So, I mean, truly at the end of the day, it, it goes across the board industries, you know, it's, it's, it's relationship based. And that kind of is an unfortunate thing. Because I think there's probably a lot of super talented composers that maybe just don't know how to, or just artists in general who don't know how to market themselves properly. But I think another thing is, and I can't remember who taught me this, honestly, probably my mom or my dad or friend, I don't exactly remember. But I think it's better to just make the relationship solely for the sake of making the relationship rather than and obviously take this with a grain of salt because people need to eat people need to pay their bills and money is a lot of times the motive but i think sometimes just hey i would just love to talk about what you're working on i'd love to show you some of my things rather than you know can i send you x for this project or you know just trying to genuinely nurture and foster a new relationship is super effective and will in turn have long longer lasting benefits than just saying hey what are you working on right now can i send you something for this um and again i'm not a music supervisor but this is just what i've gathered in my experience um and you know when i was hunting for a job i was doing a ton of networking. In fact, I wasn't even applying to jobs a lot of the time. I was just asking for calls and for meetings with people um, with the hopes that if I got in front of someone, should there be a need, they would you know, hopefully like me and want to let me know. But I think if you ask, you know, if you ask someone for a job, they're not going to be that inclined to say, oh yeah, here's a job. But if you say, I want to learn about what you do, can you tell me about what you do and how you got there? That's, you know, you're, you're taking more interest. So I guess tying this all back to composers, I think just getting your music in front of people or getting yourself in front of people will then result in your music getting seen by more people. Um, and, you know, building up a, a, organic network of people that that you know and that 
trust your work um that will that that will follow or you know placements and uses will follow suit again assuming that it's good and it's the other thing is it's a lot of it is need based um so even if something's really really great it might not be right for this project but yeah you know if it's good download it and i'll add it to my library or you know a music supervisor will add it to their library and when the time is right hopefully when they're searching for this one spot that needs this type of song and they're shuffling through and they're searching through their library and they'll say, oh, I remember that that composer. They were great. And they make really good music. Boom, there's a pitch. There's a lot of kind of factors that maybe, or hurdles that, res- that make it harder for something to get placed. But I think it's, it's just about increasing your odds, really. And the other thing is, and this is going to sound kind of trivial compared compared to everything else I've said, but the metadata is super important, especially if you're a music supervisor. Um, having metadata that is accurate and uh, that is there, having metadata at all, super because when we're talking license and you know legal uses of these things, it's not you can't just you know drag and drop a song there's obviously legal processes that take place in order for that to happen and so having all your metadata filled in accurately um thoroughly another just another thing that is music to a music supervisor's ears is seeing you know seeing the metadata is all there you know to search for anything um so yeah yeah getting getting the metadata uh, um getting no metadata will be can be a, a the 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 thing that separates a composer from a, a five figure check it can be that so um yeah. i mean most libraries do it so i mean I, I feel like most composers who are starting out don't start immediately from ad agencies but um but down the line this needs to be a topic that they're uh, that that y'all are thinking about especially uh once you start venturing more on your own and creating relationships like the beautiful one that again like me and Sophia are, are having this beautiful conversation so it's a start of something like we don't know what and uh, uh something i actually it's uh, you it's so funny because if i i almost feel like we're having uh, similar thoughts in very uh, a close proximity because yesterday I actually uh, put on on the sync gem uh, uh, um, story I put I put like daily gems so every day I put a little piece of of knowledge or something that I've been thinking about and I share it and yesterday I said uh, the if Oh, I'll have to pull it up, but um, having having somebody—I'm uh, paraphrasing—but having somebody like you, like being around you, increases the chance of them thinking about you when they're when they get their next project, and and be, that's where being a hang comes in, like being a good hang, a, a good person to just like talk the shit with you know like i've i've i have gotten projects where i wasn't the best person for the job but just because people liked me they 
advocated for me. They wanted me to win. So would uh, Sophia want an, uh, somebody from an email to win? Or would she want somebody who she had coffee with to win? And y'all can can tell me, yeah, I'm a bedroom producer. I'm a this, I'm a that. But it doesn't matter what you are. Uh, what 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 depends what what it depends on is who you want to become, who you want to be. Um, and that's the conversation with the actors that keeps coming back. Like, okay, a lot of actors want to be Brad Pitt, but do you really? Like, do you really want people to haunt you with cameras when you go to the bodega? to grab some toilet paper to, 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 to wipe your ass with? Do you really want that? Like, and, and it's, it's a legit question. Um, and I think that 95% of the people would actually, if they know what it takes, would actually say no. So. Yeah. Uh, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, it, it's, it's really easy to say you want to do something, but then to. Follow it keep, up required to do it i mean it's 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 listen nobody said it was easy no no one said it it's not easy yeah but if you want it badly enough you know you you do all the silly little steps and kind of like what you were saying earlier that getting that one yes that can really change the course uh you know whether you're a composer whether you're someone like me you know that was trying to get their foot in the door in the sink supervisor space i have had those rare yeses that have been life altering for me um so it's not just silly things that you see in movies but it really just takes one person that believes in you and wants to take a chance on you and is willing to be generous with their time um the thing that you know, movie the thing that movies don't show is the legwork that's the only problem with movies is that they make everything seem like everything was so linear and uh, nicely put, right? Like eat, pray, love. Like you go somewhere, you 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 fall in love with this guy, you get mentored by the which in perspective it's true. Like you do get mentored on your journey. It is there's no 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 other way about it. You do uh, hopefully you do fall in love at some point. Hopefully you you do find these uh, uh, spiritual practices. But do they all happen in the synchronous uh, uh, de- from the synchronous decision of you ch- choosing to do one thing? No, hell no. Like there's right. a lot of like microseconds that 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 people don't talk about, and that's. That's what I'm about. Like, you know, that's what I'm about to to really like just what you are speaking to is so important because again, that that your yeses did not come from one connection. They did not. It sounds like they did when when you say, yeah, I got that one yes. But like from your story, I can say you hustled your ass off because, before you got that job. Like, you know, and that's the thing I want people to appreciate. Um not the fact that you're somewhere above them. The fact that you were able to tap into you, what you want for yourself. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, there's an expression, and I don't want to botch it, but it's something like... Please do. I botched so many. Okay. Well, let me, let me see if I... I I'll tell you what it is. Opportunity plus uh, preparation equals luck. No, no, no. Opportunity luck luck plus preparation which is also it's it's kind of so yeah you did you did buy <laughs> i mean it's luck equals opportunity plus preparation 
Yeah, that's that's the. Oh, okay, yeah. so luck is the song. Okay. okay yeah. yeah, but also like again, We're like never. Yeah, so the luck does just exist in a vacuum. You know, it's never random luck. It's always maybe feels random, like random luck, but it's always the product of, like you were saying, these micro steps and the kind of day to day that is not sexy or romantic in any way. Grinding, grinding, grinding. Oh my God, all of a sudden, some golden opportunity comes along. Where did that come from? Oh, probably, you know, all the all the hustling, all the nose to the ground, all the cold email, the calls, you know, studying and just whatever it is. I mean, the principle really applies to any any type of work. Yeah, my my friend, my good friend uh, uh, Bryce Green, he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Shout out! Um, he 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 said the exact he says the exact same thing. You need to you activate your magnet, you put in the work, and then you're ready. Just like again, you you were speaking about on your off days, you don't just stop doing what you do. You keep listening to music. You keep creating that catalog for yourself. So when your supervisor comes up to you and, and says, I want this dark pop stuff, do whatever mm-hmm. it takes. And you're like, I got you. What do you mean? Like I, I did it on my off day. Like it also, it also uh, um, shows that, that again, like that it's, it's cliche for a reason, but you create your own luck. You created your own luck doing that. When you were on your off days, you could go have a mojito at the bar, but you you just chose to do what you do in order for that moment. Um, and that's real. Uh, and that's real to me. That's real to me. It shows a lot about you. So, yeah, it's amazing. Well, let me just let me just be clear that I do like to have fun on on my off days. I I think that it's also. I meant not off days, by the way, the days that you have okay. less to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because okay. I was like, oh, I definitely am drinking mojitos. <laughs> oh, I just, let's not get, let's not get confused here. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's, it's, it, if you want something badly enough and you, you know, spend an hour or so do, you know, working towards it every day, then you really do increase your odds a lot. And sometimes it, I'm a very social, sociable person. I love talking to people. And, you know, I know that that is something that doesn't always come natural as naturally to other people or that isn't that, you know, is a source of anxiety. Um, I would say even even having kind of my natural personality type, networking used to definitely be a source of anxiety for me. And it, it, it's it's like anything, the more you do it, you know, the first conversation is a little scary, but you end up, you know, it. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because once you start networking, you start knowing more about the thing you're networking about, and then you are able to have more in-depth, more interesting, better informed conversations. And so it kind of, it, it yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. The two, the two, the two things play into each other very well. It's like the more you network, the better your quality of your networking is, and then the more that can come out of your networking. You know, it can. It, in the beginning, it can feel like you're just having the same sort of redundant, basic, small talk conversations. But again, the more you do it, the more you have to talk about, and the more comfortable you feel talking about the things that you want to talk about because you've already talked about them a bunch already. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's fire. Um, we're gonna we're gonna leave people with that. And uh, where can people find you? Find me. Yeah, where like on where can they speak to you? Yeah, or I mean, I have a I have a LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm sure some people will reach out and say hi. And thanks so much for coming on, Sophia. I'll, this wait for having me. I've never done a podcast before. This is my first time. You killed it. Thank you. Yo, yo, yo. How good was that? I really enjoyed this episode with Sophia. If you enjoyed it too, let me know. And the best way to do that is rate and review the podcast on your mobile device. You can go on Spotify. You can rate it five stars. And on Apple, you can rate it. And you can also write a review. These reviews really mean a lot to me. I read all of them and share them. I will shout you out as well. And also share the content on social medias. This really helps hit me up on socials. You know where to find me at Sync Gems or at Roy Matz. And say what's up. See you at the next Sync Gems episode. Peace. <laughs>